to have you here this evening joining us for our prayer Bible study mid middle of the week service it's always good to to come together in the middle of the week and be refreshed in the Lord and with one another's presence last two weeks we've been going over some Psalms for Thanksgiving and this week I'm going to go back to kind of a thing that we started we're looking through Ecclesiastes and looking at uh, just developing a right attitude, uh, right understanding of how God works in life. And uh, with that understanding, then we can pray. You know, John tells us we ought to pray according to, to God's will. And uh, so if we're going to pray according to God's will, we have to know how he works. We have to know how he's doing things. And so when we don't know that, we get easily discouraged and confused and lose focus because things happen that upset us and, and we can easily forget God is in control. He is still working. Ecclesiastes reminds us that God is working in a messed up world. That's what Ecclesiastes reminds me is that, hey, things aren't all as they should be. They ain't, they're, they're not all right. But God is still working. So it starts off with the word vanity, right? He talks a lot about vanity. And, and just tell me, what, what does that word mean when he says vanity of vanity, all is vanity? Emptiness, meaningless, useless. All right? That's one, one, um, one way uh, of, of thought with that word. What's, what's other meaning for, for that? Vain vanity. What what other um, what other uh, definitions could come under that? What's that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Vain is self self centered, right? In that way. Um, okay. All right. You're getting at it, and it, it has to do, remember I use this uh, expression of, of a puff of air or vapor in the air. What's the thought there? Temporal, thank you, temporal, of fleeting or of, 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 of life, uh, very short-lived, okay? So not sustaining, uh, and, and he has that in mind, too, when he talks about the, um, the world. And so he says... Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. All right. It can seem senseless. It can seem um, without purpose. Uh, it can seem empty. And it can be very short. And in chapter 1, he talks about things kind of being cyclical. Going round and round and round. And that sense of not getting anywhere. We have that sense sometimes when we, we go to work. And we're working and can't wait till the weekend, right? Can't wait till we get off. And then you get off and you do all the stuff you try to fit in, the stuff you need to do. And before you know it, work week is here again, whether that's Monday or whatever day it is for you. But that comes all too often, right? And you feel like you're just caught in a whirlwind, just going round and round, and you're wondering if you're accomplishing anything. Am I getting anything done? I got a raise on the job, but then I got extra bills. Oh, you know, it just never ends. It it seems like I'm I'm treading. I'm I'm, I'm like that that uh, that gerbil in a cage that's on the little merry-go-round thing. He's, he's using all his energy, but he's getting nowhere. Just spinning his wheels, not getting anywhere. And so, um, 
we, we need to understand these things of life so that we pray in a right way. We pray with a right frame of mind. So I want to kind of look at that in that way. Some think that when you go through Ecclesiastes that it's a defeatist attitude, defeatist attitude, that um, he has this attitude like, yeah, what, what, what sense is it? I just give up. I just give up. Now, I can say he expresses some of that in, in a bit, <clears throat> and we see that especially in the first chapter when he's talking about vanity. Um, look at verse 12. Um, the preach, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I apply my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. <laughs> all right, so he gives you that sense of, man, um, I don't see the sense of it. Why are we going through this? <clears throat> and he, he goes through that thought. And while he's going at it, I kind of like, I kind of feel like the writer is on a journey. He wants you to go on this journey with him. And as he starts his journey, he's trying to get meaning out of life. If we skip ahead to the end, to, to chapter 12, verse 14, I, th I think Brian spoke on this once a little bit, and I had spoken on it before when we were looking at Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verse 14, he says, this is the, so this is the whole meaning, this is the whole meaning of life. But let's skip to that <clears throat> for a second. Chapter 12, verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So he's trying to find purpose in life, and he gets to that at the end. But on his journey to find purpose, he sees this random senselessness of life. Um, I kind of get that when I watch the news, like another murder, you know, another accident, another this, another person in distress, another family hurt, another, you know, you just go, here we go again. It's just the same old, same old. I'm tired of hearing all the bad news all the time. It's just going round and round. Um, we have to have a sense for how this world operates and not get into despair. And I think he's taking us on this journey with him, and he's saying, I see the vanity of things. But turn with me to chapter 2, verse 12. And he's, he's, he's making some progress because he's not just having a defeatist attitude. He's not just having like, oh, what the use? This is a mess. Um, we can kind of see that in, 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 in some of the things that he says, but he's getting somewhere. He's going somewhere with this. Look at verse 12 of chapter 2. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly, but what can the man do who comes after the king only what has already been done <clears throat> then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness now I think that verse there my antenna goes up to go wait oh he's getting somewhere he's seeing he sees the vanity in things but he says ah there is some things that are still better than others in this vain, senseless world that we live in, there are some things of more value than others. Get what he's saying? He's saying this world can seem senseless. It seems like we're in this loop and nothing is, is accomplished, nothing makes sense. But there are some things that are more valuable than others. It's like he's, a light is going on. 
And in his journey, he's going to understand that. And I think in our journey, we need to understand that as well so that we might pray with hope, right? So he's saying that. He, 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 he's getting to somewhere. I turned to consider wisdom, verse 13. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. Um, as I was reading through, studying through Ecclesiastes, um, he gets to chapter 5, and he gets to, uh, the word that sticks out in chapter 5 is better. There are some better things. There's some better. Life is vain. It seems useless. What's the point of life? What's the, what, what am I here for? And then you understand there's something better than others or more gain in, in something. Then get to chapter 5. There's some better things. Perhaps I ought to find out what those better things are and begin to pursue them. He's on that journey. And so in chapter 2 and chapter 3, one word that sticks out is this more gain in verse 12. And then, let me tell you what I'm cautioning us. Verse 18, let's, chapter 2, verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. He says, I worked all my life to get some things straight. And guess what? I'm going to end up leaving it to somebody. And I don't know if that person will be wise or foolish. So he goes on with that thought. And because of that thought, <clears throat> verse 20, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Not like he's given up, doesn't it? We get to that point sometimes. Says, you know, it's like I thought I was getting somewhere. Take one step forward, right? Two steps backwards. He says, I feel frustrated like that sometimes. And he's almost ready to give up. But then he realizes in his despair, he comes to a conclusion. Here's my point today. We'll go further with this next week. But here's my point for today. One thing that God wants us to realize, it's in verse 24 of chapter 2. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. That's not an ungodly thought. That is a godly thought. Read that again. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Are you enjoying life? Think about it. Are you enjoying life? Let me say it this way. We just come through Thanksgiving. Are you taking time to appreciate God, the things that God has put into your life for joy? Are you, are you taking you say it this way, are you taking time out to smell the roses? Are you taking time to appreciate some good things that God has placed in this life? Let me name a few. Are you taking time out to appreciate relationships that he's given you? You know, sometimes it's when death comes in our family, we, we gain a perspective like, you know, I'm not going to waste 
my appreciation anymore. I didn't share as much as I would like to with that person. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend, I'm going to be rich with other people in my family now. I'm going to share with them. I'm going to enjoy. I want to tell them I love you. I'm going to share with them. Are you taking time to appreciate the things that God has placed in your life for you to enjoy? The fellowship of God's people. Fellowship of the saints coming together. He said, there's nothing better in life that we should eat and drink and enjoy the work of our toil. He said, there's some things that we ought to appreciate. Donna and I, about a month or so ago, took vacation, and we knew that, that um, she was getting ready for um, a surgery that she just had, and we wanted to go before that surgery and just take some time out and uh, spend some time together. And uh, it, it, was, it was a special time to me just to, to be able to get away and do that. And it makes me think, do we sometimes stop in life and just think, reflect, and appreciate and enjoy what God has given? Are we so much trying to get the next thing, you know? I'm, I'm a driven person. And I have <laughs> plans for doing this and plans for doing that. And when I'm at step two in my plan, I'm thinking about step three. But do you ever take time to stop and thank God for step one and for step two that you're in right now? You have to take time and appreciate those things. He says this in another way at another time. We looked at chapter 2, verse 24. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. In verse 12, I perceive there is nothing better for them then to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. He didn't say this is a defeatist attitude because some people read it this way. Eat, drink, and, and be merry. What's the next phrase? Tomorrow you die. They might as well eat, drink, and, you know, party now. That's the world's wrong attitude, a wrong versing of the proper attitude. The proper attitude is, yes, enjoy the things that God has given you to enjoy because life is short. And it's not just meant to be done in your pursuit of the next goal. But can't you pursue the next goal and enjoy what you have already? There's this idea of contentment. There's this idea of enjoying and this idea of being thankful to God for what he has given us. And certainly prayer works in that as well. So instead of, how does that in, impact our prayer tonight? Yes, we can pray, Lord, bless this, help this, heal this person. We need you, Lord. But we can also, Lord, thank you. And I appreciate the peace that you've given me, even in the midst of my storm. I appreciate your presence with me. I was just uh, going through my day and you put a song in my heart and I've been whistling and humming that song. Thank you for that, that peace that just comes from you unexpectedly. Thank you for the joy of having you so that when I look at this world, I'm not looking in despair as what the use. I know that I have a purpose and a use because you've given me that purpose. You've given me that usefulness. 
Thank you for that. Let me appreciate. Thank you for the things you've given around me. Thank you for the growth that you've given to me. Thanking you for for what I can I can breathe and enjoy life. I can enjoy the beauty that you place in life. It's getting cool outside. The cool air is refreshing. It's good. Mosquitoes ain't out when it's cold outside. You know, there's a good thing in that. The seasons that change. Thank you for those seasons. Let me appreciate the life that you've given. So I just wanted to focus on that tonight. He says it again in chapter 3, verse 17, verse 22. So I saw that there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. That's not just a defeatist attitude. The writer was coming to see that just to pursue things endlessly without stopping to appreciate what God has placed to be enjoyed would be spending life uselessly. He wants us to stop, smell the roses, appreciate the things that he's given to us. Evening, saints. For our meditation, we'll continue back in the Gospel of John. Take a sip of this water first. I read a little bit from John 9, which I think is one of the funniest chapters in the Bible. This chapter is meant to be laughed at, but it's also meant to be learned from. You can learn a lot in laughter. One of the reasons me and my brother, we like writing plays. One of the things, it'll make them even question their life, but they'll be thinking about it. But they'll receive it because they laugh, right? One thing, that ain't me. But if I make a joke about a character who come in somewhere and everybody else smell them and, and moving away from them, you can receive that. And then when you start to realize that, hey, that could be me. Now you, hey, now the lesson is learned. So let's read a little bit from John 9. Hopefully you'll laugh with me as I laughed. And the Holy Spirit made me laugh. It said, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. All right, we'll stop there for today. But it starts off with Jesus walking past his blind man, and the question is asked, who made the man blind? And in this question, we kind of confront 
a difficult problem for those who believe in the prosperity gospel. Because the thought is that all bad things come from the devil or from sin. Now there is some truth that bad things do come from sin, but Jesus doesn't say the man was blind because of sin. And that's where we have to confront something that is interesting as Christians, and that is bad things might happen to us because God did it. Right? We might be going through difficult times, not because Satan is attacking us, but God appointed it. And so this man lived 40 years being blind. He didn't do nothing wrong. His parents didn't do anything wrong. His grandparents didn't do anything wrong. He was blind for one reason, and that is so that chapter 9 could be written. And oftentimes, we try to confront in that moment, and I'm sure maybe if this man, let's say this man, this chapter was written when the man was 40. At age 23, could he have not been asking, why me, Lord? And at age 25, why am I the only one born blind? Everybody else in the family can see perfectly okay. Why is it me? Jesus, he just says to him, to the disciples, this man was born this way so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that, that profound point, it just makes us think, and, and this is the thing we get to. In Romans 8, it says, all things are done for the good of those who are the called. There is no waste for us who are saved. Everything we do has a purpose, but we simply need to seek God for that purpose, but we don't always see it in our day, right? We don't always get an answer. We might be like Job in chapter 1 and 2 of Job, where all these things happen, and he didn't know why. You spend the entire book not knowing why. God doesn't come until chapter, what is it, 39, 40? of a book that has 42 chapters? And you have to keep on confronting that question, Job, why did these bad things happen to you? And his friends were like the disciples. It had to be because of sin. And Jesus will say the same answer to his friends that he would say to his disciples. It's not because he sinned. It's so that I could display my work. Now the funny part is, how did he heal the man? Did he do hocus pocus? No, he spit on the ground. Now, my mama always told me, don't spit on people. And Jesus broke that rule. And that would actually be considered something that would be unclean. So Jesus did something that is unclean and healed this man. So that's the first kind of thing that we could laugh at. But the conversation in this chapter is what's funny. The neighbors, they go around, is that the man? No, and they not listening to the man at all. You ever notice that? Everybody is talking about the man, but the man is saying, it's me. It's me. No, that ain't him. Then the other thing is the question they ask him, where did Jesus go? He was blind. <laughs> How would he know? It's just funny things like that. You got to look through this and see the laughter because John is kind of writing this with a smile when he wrote this. They said, where'd he go? He's like, I was blind before. 
But the man knows some things. He don't know where Jesus went. And when we get from this passage and you look at Jesus in this passage, actually he's a minor character in this chapter. If you wrote this as a story and you put this on a stage and you played the characters, the blind man will be the main character. And Jesus will be a side character because he doesn't have that many lines. The Pharisees will be bigger characters than the blind man. The parents will be a little bit smaller than Jesus' role, but they in there. But you got all these things happening, and you almost say, where's God at? Where's God? Well, he's at the beginning and the end. Jesus is at the very beginning, and he's at the very end of the chapter. And the question that they ask at the beginning is also asked at the end. And it's asked several times throughout the question, why was this man born blind? Jesus said, because my works could be done. Why was this man born blind? The Pharisees said, because he's a sinner. You have to confront those two answers because those are the two answers of the world. Is there a purpose? Or is there not? Are you an atheist? Or are you a Christian? Atheist doesn't think there's no point to anything. Everything is an accident. Well, that's not a blade of flower, a, a blade of grass. Nope. That's an accidental process that began when one cell was magically created. And that cell came together because it crashed through lightning and proteins came together to make an organism that magically knew how to eat what wouldn't kill itself and somehow learn how to split on its own. That's the atheist position. Or you got the Christian position that God made things the way he intended. You got to ask yourself what you're going to believe because as you confront your day, those two opinions collide. I got a flat tire. Man, it's just an accident. Or is God teaching me something? And if we learn from it, maybe we can look back like this blind man, probably look back and laugh at this chapter. Or you can be bitter. But you got to choose which answer you're going to have. Amen? So we'll go through the rest of the chapter next week. Good evening, everybody. Okay. Today you got choices. We have two groupings of B wins anyway, so. <laughs> but I know you who didn't raise your hand. So what we're going to pray about is, um, and I'll let Charles and Sharmone decide which one you want. First one is, let's pray about God's blessing on his people and ministries. Who wants to pray for that one? Charles got it. This the other one, which is going to be great that Charmone was praying for this, is the God hinders and foils the plots of the wicked. Yep, that's the one you get. Sweet spirit. <laughs> so two very important things, right? So um, things that we pray for all the time. So um, I'll close this up.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come to you in prayer, Lord. Lord, we just want to pray tonight, Lord, for your blessings on people in ministry, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, that there's a hindrance in this world, Lord. And we know that Satan is really busy, Lord. We have a spiritual war that's going on, Lord. Anyone who you call into service to, to be used, Lord, is battling Satan, battling the world, and battling the flesh, Lord. But we know that your word says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. So we need to stand behind, and they need to stand behind the power of the Holy Spirit, your power, power to raise his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And we have all the strength and everything that we need, Lord, to, to continue to stay in prayer, to stay in communication with you daily, Lord. The word says to pray without ceasing. So we must continue to keep our eyes and our minds and our minds focused on you, all those who are in ministry, that you call to ministry. And that includes all of us, Lord. All those who are saved are actually ministers. We are actually all called into ministry in some form, Lord. Lord, you did say to go into the world and to make disciples, Lord. So let's pray, Lord, that those who are really, who are the leaders of this, in the church, in your ministry, Lord, and those who may stand in the pulpit and teach and are responsible for your, the leading of the church, Lord, that you continue to give them the strength that they need, Lord, the wisdom that they need to make the right decisions, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, that you are a God of protection, and you bless those who truly are, are obedient to you, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that you will continue to do and keep your hedge of protection around those who are in ministry, leaders in ministry, and that you would get the praise and honor and the glory. In your son Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we continue in prayer, and we just, um, we always want to start with just thanking you for what you have already done for us, and and watching over us, dear Lord. But we also come to you in prayer of just um, blocking those things that um, that we don't have control over. There's a lot of things we don't have control over, but um, are trying to hinder us from moving forward or doing what you have called us to do, but you have given us your will and your power to overcome those things. I just pray, um, you know, with the new year coming up and us trying to get over this year there um, we've had sicknesses and we've had different people battling with different ailments and people who are um, in the midst of sin and Lord we pray against all those things we pray against Satan and his attacks on us dear Lord a lot of times um, we know Satan doesn't want families to be together and we know he doesn't want us to grow and minister to others and and he doesn't want our testimonies to be good ones. And we have to every day make decisions and pray against that type of thing because you have called us to our higher calling and you have called us to higher standards, dear Lord. And while a lot of things are um, difficult in us and in our flesh, we can totally trust in you to empower us to overcome those things and to um, move forward, dear Lord. And um, I pray that we all just take the time to always examine ourselves and, and know those things that are in our lives that are holding us back from our full potential and what you are calling us to do. But again, we do pray against um, even people that Satan used to um, distract us or to anger us and, and cause us to not um, do what we're supposed to be doing. 
Um, and I just pray the Lord continue to bless and watch over us and allow us to just, uh, just go with the right perspective on things, with the right thought process, and just um, what we just went over, dear Lord. Some things happen that we don't always understand why, and sometimes the things that we go through is our testimony to others. And so we just pray that you just continue to use us and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue in prayer, Lord. Lord, we know that every day we're continually moving closer to the end times, the times when you come back. We know as that time progresses, wickedness becomes more bold, wickedness will grow more as you begin to relinquish this world, Lord, and we know this is the direction of the world. Keeping that in mind, though, Lord, we also know that you are continually working in this world. We ask that you continue to grow your ministries, continue to bless your ministries, continue to use us in a mighty way, continue to allow us to reach many people during these times that those that you have set aside to be your children, Lord, we are able to reach and and we are able to minister to them so that you may do the work in their lives to allow them to become, allowed to continue to show your light to the world, Lord, even though they don't want it. We ask that you be with um, us as we minister in um, our individual lives and in the broad lives and the broad scopes that we're doing. We ask you to continue to grow those ministries, continue to Help us um, be wise and have a heart to serve you and a heart to love. We also look at those who are wicked, Lord. We know that the, your word says the wicked plot for ways to be wicked. And look for new ways to do evil, Lord. And um, we see it every day as it just, they just seem to push the envelope more and more. And we ask for those, Lord, but also do what is required for you to come back, for, for your holiness to be realized by this entire world, Lord. So we ask that as you have been doing, that you continue to just um, order events. Um, but at the same time, we ask when possible um, to stifle those events that, or those works that would countermine the work of the church, countermine the work of your people. And um, also just at times when you find it necessary, Lord, that you do do the judgment on the wicked that we know they deserve, Lord. But at the same time, through those judgments, you allow it to be a time that the righteous can see your work in that, and that even the unrighteous can see it, and use it and learn it, and use it as a, an opportunity to open their hearts to you. In your name we pray.